Our scripture reading today comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You know not what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they replied, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared for. When the, ter- when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. And so Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lorded over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The word of the Lord. When I sat down with this text, which as I planned this sermon series out, uh, it's been, you know, over a month. It's been, it's been weeks since I felt God's calling for us to talk about this text and I felt the kind of convergence of this moment and the things people are going through this week as, as we think about, you know, last week we had our annual meeting and we've been in this process of inviting people to discern, is God calling you to be a leader here at this church? Uh, we have been nationally in the midst of the way that our civic kind of duties are, are lived out, picking leaders for us across different levels. And each of us has had to make decisions for our families for our workplaces, for our spheres of influence about how do we live in this world in which uh, we see the health uh, crisis getting worse and worse and worse. And so we are all, as Christians, invited into this family of God that we've been talking about each week of this series. That when we speak that, that God founded this family in truth and love, and that people of all nations and tribes are brought together in that family, and we are called into this mission, and the one that the disciples last week when we followed them along are, are learning how to understand that, that God is inviting people to healing, and that the threats that others put against them uh, aren't as powerful as the healing that God brings, and that even their enemies they might wish might love and might heal and not be hurt. And so today we, we talk about what is it to be a leader in the midst of such a movement. And obviously, we take our model from Jesus, and we have a wonderful, powerful, uh, evocative kind of story here. I mean, it's, I, I'm grateful for these kinds of stories in which, you know, if you wanted to paint the disciples perfect, and there could be reasons to try to do that. We don't have a Bible that tries to make it look like the disciples and apostles always got everything right. And so here is a story of some infighting, some different opinions, different perspectives about what is it to be a part of Jesus' movement. And so 
we have a wonderful intro into the story. James and John, sons of Zebedee, come up to Jesus and they say, hey, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. That's a great opener. Uh, any parents seen their kids start something this direction? Hey, hey, mom, can you do whatever I ask you next? Maybe in a classroom with this teacher thing. If a student came up to you and said, hey, hey, teacher, can you do whatever I ask of you? This is quite the opening line into a request. And I'm wondering, because there's open possibilities, what might they ask? If the question was asked to you today, if God came in prayer time and says, you know, I'm opening this up to you, hey, what would you ask of me? What is our heart's desire? What is that request? If we could ask anything, you know, you get the genie three wishes type mentality. What are those wishes? And you come before God in prayer today, you can ask for anything possible. With endless possibilities of prayer time, what would you ask for? In this disciples lead in, please say yes before I tell you what I want. Just grant it. And so often that's the way we want to ask questions. Um, just give me the blank check. Give me the yes. And I'll follow up with what I want here. We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And Jesus plays along. Jesus is like, maybe he's curious. Maybe he's interested. Maybe as a parent and a kid has come to you this way, maybe you're like, I would love to hear what's coming next. And so Jesus says to them, what is it you want me to do for you? It's not a blank check, yes, but I'm here. I'm listening. What do you want? If you believe I can grant you anything, I'm all ears. What do you want from me? And so James and John seem to aim high, but aim quite low. They say to Jesus, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And so they're imagining, Jesus, we know, we believe you're the Messiah. We think you're going to be king of all. When you get to that place where the room tilts towards you, where the weight and the praise and the, the power tilts to you, and everyone recognizes what we recognize, that you are king, can we be your first and second in command? Can we be at your left and right? Can we have the places of honor, of privilege, of power? And it's kind of interesting here that they're not saying, let us be the ruler. Let us, you know, Jesus, we know you're the king, but let us be on your left and right hand in that moment. And for so many people, that is the request. What can I get? What position of power, what place of honor? How can I lift my own situation up? What can I do to elevate my own status? What can I do to increase my Facebook likes and my Twitter followers and my uh, poll ratings and my financial statement? And pick what metric you want to use. People want to ask for, how do you lift me up so I can be near that top? And so... The request here is the wrong angle, the wrong vantage point, the wrong way to look at being a part of God's family. 
And it's not just the wrong request. Jesus is aware of the fact that they have no idea what they are actually asking. Because from Jesus' vantage point, they are not asking for what they think they're asking for. They want that privilege, and it's not going to look like that. Because in the Gospels, especially in the Gospel of John, it talks about this glory language that when Jesus is lifted up on a cross, that that is when the glory of Jesus is made known and revealed. And when you have a, a sign on the cross that says King of Jews in multiple languages, and you've got two thieves being crucified on the left and the right, that when you ask to sit at my left and my right in my glory, you don't understand. And so Jesus replies to their request, you don't know what you're asking. And maybe as a parent, you've had that feeling. The kid has asked, mom, please, please, please. And you don't know what you're asking. I, I care about your safety. I care about your well-being and the long-term vantage point of your life and I know everything seems wound up in this one request, this one question. You don't know what you're asking. And Jesus asked them a question. You know, he got a question, and now he's asking a question back. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? You're asking for something. Are you sure you could even handle it? How many of us have asked for something that suddenly it was not what we expected? It was not what we hoped for. Maybe you really wanted that job, and you're like, oh, if I, I do anything, please, God, let me have that job. And you get into it, and the moment you get into it, you're like, what did I get myself into? The very thing you wanted more than anything did not end up the way that you wanted it to. And so Jesus is saying, and he's feeling it in his heart, and he's hearing them, and he knows they're off track, and he's asking them questions to help them see where they're wrong and where they're off and where they can be turn towards the right path. And he says, are you sure? You want to be in the spot. Can you handle that? Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? When we talk about drinking the cup, sometimes we see that in language around communion. Um, but it's this, this image of consume something and then like let that become a part of you. Like it's it's fully integrated into you because it becomes a part of yourself. And so can you take on this task and let that be who you are? And, and baptism, can I die to my old self and really live in this new way of being? Can I take this path that I'm asking for? And I love that Jesus knows they're asking for the wrong thing and that they're not going to be expecting what's actually coming from that path. You don't know what you're asking for. But are you able to do this? You say this is what you want. Are you able to do this? And maybe you've bartered and bargained with your students in a classroom, your kids in, a, in your house. You said, all right, if I give you this, though, you know, are you sure you can handle it? And James and John are overly confident. We're able. How many of us have seen that response? The person that is just so confident, I can handle this thing. I got it. And for so many people today, you know, it's around, you know, are you going to be safe? Are you going to do what you need to do? I'm okay. I'm not going to get sick. I'm not going to be hurt. And you're not really fully aware of the dangers, not to yourself, but also to others around you. And you go headfirst into something that you don't understand. And James and John, are you sure that you can go on this path towards me? And I know where I'm going. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, we're able. 
Bring it on. And so Jesus, continuing this, says, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. I don't think they know yet the severity or the, the reality of that pronouncement. You will drink this cup. You will be baptized by this. You are going on this path that I'm going down. You haven't fully understood where I'm going, but that is the path you're going on. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. Yes, you're going to follow me. Yes, you're going to experience the same things I do. But to grant this place on the left and the right of when I come into glory, it's not mine to offer to you. And so they're, they're not getting their exact request, and they don't realize it yet, but that's a blessing and a good thing for them in that moment. But they will go towards some of the same grief and pain and violence that they're going to have to endure that Jesus does. And so their request is, is kind of played along with by Jesus, and he realizes the gravity in which he's responding to them, but saying, You don't get this left and right position. But Jesus isn't just the teacher for James and John. He's also got other disciples in the room. And maybe if you're a parent and you're dealing this bargaining situation with one kid and you've got another kid in the room who's like, wait a minute. Why are you giving them this thing? Why are we talking about this special treatment for them? And so the other ten disciples are, are grumbling in the background saying, how dare James and John ask for the places of honor? Who made them the places that that get this kind of left and right power treatment? Even if Jesus said, you're not getting it, I'm not happy about this. How dare you? How dare you ask for that? As a side note, I love that in another gospel text, uh, this story is put under the guise that James and John's mom is asking them for this power play. But here James and John are saying, let us have this powerful spot. And the other ten are not happy about it says that when the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. You can understand. Uh, you can understand when someone seems to overstep and seem to want to get ahead of you. You're not going to like it too much. And so the other disciples are angry, and Jesus calls them together. He doesn't just let it go unaccounted for. Jesus calls the group together and says, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. So he's starting from a place of understanding of, you know how the world usually operates. It usually operates with people getting ahead of each other, of doing whatever they can to get more power, to get the corner office, to get the the bigger salary, to get the better car, Uh, that you'll do whatever it takes to get a little more power and a little more opportunity over your neighbor. And so those in leadership among the nations, they rule it over, they like lord it over each other of, look how great I am. Look what I can do and you can't do. And they rule as tyrants over each other. And we shouldn't jump past that. We should recognize that that's a part of something that's a temptation in us that it's not just true of nations without thinking about us, but we're a part of that. 
uh, that there's a temptation when you have any little bit of power to use it to rule over people, uh, to, to become the tyrant, to become uh, the, the un, unjust ruler. But it is not so among you, Jesus said. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. I'm going to pause there. Jesus is saying, you're not supposed to be leaders like everybody else. What it looks like to rule, what it looks like to take power and to take little power grabs and take as much power and see what you can get away with, I wonder if I take an extra step if anyone's going to say anything about it. And then take another one, another one, and see if anyone will actually step up to say, no, enough is enough. That's not how you rule. But the world looks by taking as much power as possible. But Jesus says that if you want to be great, you must be a servant. And whoever wishes to be first must be a slave of all. Now, I think sometimes we read that text and we talk about it as if the person who leads in a church in a Christian context is just supposed to be like, take the brunt of being lorded over. Like, we're going to keep that system of tyranny and now you, if you want to be the leader, just have to absorb the blows of the way the world works right back at you. And that is in no way what Jesus is talking about of like that, the, that God's disciples, that God's church is suddenly supposed to be a place that uh, the leaders are now just being mistreated. Uh, it's not that. It's, it's what are you called to serve and what are you called to do? For the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. We miss in this when we talk servant leadership without what the mission is. That Jesus became a servant, a slave, that Jesus gave up power not to just let someone else hurt the church, let, hurt people, but to free people. Like the purpose of leadership is to empower and free those who are slaves, to liberate those who are under captivity. That to be a leader is to free people, to empower people, not to use power, but to free people to live under God's rule. And so Jesus talks about giving his life as a ransom, that people are under the ownership of something else. People are enslaved to their, their fears. People are enslaved to poverty. People are enslaved towards greed. People are enslaved towards jealousy, towards all sorts of oppressions. And when Jesus invites those disciples into leadership, he invites them not to rule over people who are oppressed, but to do everything it takes to give all of themselves over to the mission of letting the people go letting them become free in God's work, that, that it's not about lording power, but about destroying the powers that corrupt and that enslave us. And so leadership is not meant to acquire power, but to empower and liberate people. And so if you're wondering, what can I do to get ahead to be the left and the right of your hands and when you're in power, it's not about the opportunity for yourself. It's about the opportunity for everybody. And when we choose to live that kind of leadership, when we choose to live that kind of calling, we liberate and free many people instead of enslaving them further.
And so what is it to be a leader in Jesus' kingdom? It's not about just being a slave and a servant in the sense of let everybody just attack me and say whatever they want. It's about overthrowing the powers in this world that push us down. And while the world might seek to do whatever it takes to get power, that it's worth kind of fighting and having battles and taking as much power as I can, following Jesus is about finding a hill worth dying for. Not a hill worth killing for, a hill worth dying for. That there is something of value that's worth your life. That there's something worth following Jesus even to the death. That when the gospel's talking about pick up your cross and follow Jesus, it's your life has a mission worth fighting for. But not the kind of fight the world does, the kind of fight that says, I will love you regardless of what you do. That when I reject the status quo and I overthrow the systems of, of injustice and you lash back and you fight against me, I will absorb that because God's mission is worth it. God's kingdom is worth it. And so do we have something worth dying for, worth leading people into? And I think about the topics that we've, we've talked about this year. I mean, this year has been kind of relentless. You know, and people are, are, are suffering, people are dying. Uh, there's a lot of hopelessness in the world. Do we have a mission that actually seeks to be a part of freeing people from the fears and the pains and the violence? And I think about, you know, we've talked a lot about racial justice in this year. And I know I, I led a book group on Thursday nights with some other churches, and, including our church, and we talked about racial justice. And I'm aware that we did not necessarily have amazing attendance. And I'm aware that some people might wonder and they might ask, why can't we just talk about the gospel? Why do we got to talk about racism? Because the gospel is about overthrowing and liberating all forms of oppression, all forms of of violence against each other. And when our neighbors, when ourselves, when our world is faced with any sort of oppression, it is a hill worth dying for to liberate and to bring God's love and justice into that moment. And so I, I want to challenge us as a church. I want to challenge those who are our current leaders, those who are stepping into leadership in this next year. Is God's mission front and center for your life? Because if God's mission is our front and center, and our mission is, Jesus, I know you're here to set the captives free. You're here to heal the sick. You're here to give freedom to the slave. If that's our mission, then our leadership, our way of life, our community is healthy. When our mission is, can I get that nice place at the front, of the front of the room? Can I get that seat of honor on your left and the right? Can I get a little bit of power, a little bit of opportunity? Uh, we work like the world works. And we lose sight of what the gospel is about. And it's not just about titles and roles but each of us are called to be a part of God's kingdom. We are called to be a part of this work that God is doing.
And so you are invited today to think and contemplate what question are you asking God for today? If you can ask and request anything of God today, what is it? Is it something that's going to lift yourself up or something that's going to lift up everyone? Lift up the world, lift up those who are broken, those who are in pain. Really sit with that. Spend time in prayer today. God, what, if I had to answer, what do I want most today? What is that answer? And God, what should that question be? What should I ask for? And if we care about what God is doing in this world, we will be leading people into God's kingdom that is overthrowing the systems of evil and oppression. So what do you ask of Jesus today? Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I want to pray and confess on our behalf that too often what we would ask of you has been wrong. That too often our prayer requests are for things that are simply self-serving. And sometimes those prayer requests have been unspoken, but it has been what is true in our hearts. That what we want most is our own elevation. Lord, we ask that you would turn our hearts towards your mission, towards your kingdom. Lord, that you would help us to see your mission. Lord, that you would help us to see when others fall short, that it's not just a time for grumbling, but a time to go and invite people into your mission and your kingdom. Lord, help us to resist when people are seeking to just gain their own strength and their own power and their own ability to rule and lord over everyone else. Help us to be a model and an example of what it is to lead like you lead. Lord, I know that there are those in our midst and those who are worshiping with us who are in the midst of drinking your cup and experiencing your baptism, who've suffered. Lord, we ask that you would give them a sense of peace and a sense of relief that they are resting in your presence and that you understand what it's like to suffer and that you do not leave us to suffer alone, but you suffer with us even to a cross. Lord, be with our, our leaders in this moment and in our future. Help us to pray for them, that they might seek your kingdom. Lord, help us to pray for those in our city, in our state, in our national government who make decisions that affect everybody, that affect our students, our, our teachers, our coworkers, our neighbors. Lord, let our, our kingdom look a little bit more like heaven. Let your kingdom come. Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.